You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Most of the other conversation that Kevin Warren had revolved around his role in this decision, his role overall. We haven't heard from him much. We heard from him extensively. On Wednesday, Dan, I'll let you set up what he had to say about his role in the football operations. Yeah, so I wanted to play a few clips from uh, Kevin and Ryan specifically and just interpret them because as we kind of let the dust settle from what that was on Wednesday, there's some things that are worth listening to. And the first clip that we have here is Kevin being asked about his role in football operations. We obviously know he's going to oversee the general manager position for as long as he's the team president here. We obviously know this is a pivotal offseason with a number of decisions on the football side that need to be made. Uh, and so he was asked directly, what what do you see as your involvement in those football-related decisions this offseason, uh, and how do you fit into that? I think one of the things that, that is special about this group is uh, this is not an ego-driven group. This is a group that makes sure that we're focused on getting to what is right. And so it's been uh, an enjoyment uh, to work with Ryan, uh, to work with Matt, to work with George, everyone else uh, in the football operations department. I'm here, you know, as a resource, and I just want us to win. And my theory that every day from a football operations standpoint that I walk in this building, is there anything or anyone or any situation that I face in my career in the National Football League or even at the Big Ten that could help us win? And I think when people come to the table uh, with that mindset, uh, it works. We don't agree on everything. And so, uh, but, but that's the good thing about it. We have a very healthy, respectful, you know, relationship. So my focus uh, on is that, is there anything uh, that I can do to help this organization uh, win, whether it's one football game, whether it's to get contact to hire uh, a coach that will help us move it along. And so I just look as, as, as a resource here uh, to be able to help us win. How are you in evaluating quarterbacks? <laughs> in my next lifetime. 
<laughs> That's a pretty good answer. Yeah, and, and he's very thorough. I, I, that also makes it sound like he's going to be involved in the coaching search for the offensive coordinator. Yeah, but you know the the the, the, the two sentences that I'd pull out of that is the the kind of you know, orange highlighter that I'm holding in my right hand is I'm here as a resource. I just want us to win. And I think that's what makes Kevin magnetic as a leader to someone like Ryan Poles is because you don't feel like um, you're working with this, you know, know-it-all boss. You feel like you're working with someone who's a resource who's trying to help you do your job at the optimal level. I know uh, most people would tell you that the, 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 the greatest thing that they can have in their job is is the support to do what they do at the highest level possible. And I think that's what Kevin's trying to provide. He also said we don't agree on everything. But I think in his um, words and his actions, he allows himself to let the people that he's empowered uh, in the roles that they have to to have the say in that. And if they don't agree on everything, hey, at least I gave you everything I could possibly give you to make the decision you have to make. I don't know how that applies to what went down here over the last three or four days, but it's certainly worth worth wondering about, right? It is worth wondering about, but I think it also underscores maybe what you said. I mean, I think he empowered Ryan Poles to have the final say on his head coach. I think we're inferring a lot, but uh, my sense would be that you know Ryan Poles was loyal to Matt Eberflus and may have made the strongest case to keep him. Uh, again, this is speculation. My sense would be just the way that Kevin Warren speaks, the lofty rhetoric. The results don't match the lofty rhetoric in this case, in terms in, in as it pertains to the head coach. So I think already he already has empowered Ryan Poles to do his job, and he trusts him to do. To, he trusts his judgment, and if he wants Matt Eberflus as a head coach, I think that he was had to be consistent with that in terms of his relationship with Poles. So very easy transition here to our next topic because part of Ryan Poles' job this offseason is to go and assess his quarterback situation and evaluate quarterbacks in the 2024 uh, draft class. Obviously, this won't be the first time that Ryan's ever been a part of a process like this. Most notably in 2017, he was part of that Chiefs organization as the director of college scouting when they went and hit the jackpot, the, the, the holy grail with Patrick Mahomes. And so he knows what the homework process is in going through this quarterback vetting process. I asked him on Wednesday evening, David, the, the, these next 10, 12 weeks of this process, what does he envision being the most important parts of the homework on that class? And what has he learned from prior experience that will help him vet the quarterback class going forward? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I got a lot of confidence in our ability to see talent on the field. Uh, the human being, we got to figure out. Um, this, especially be a quarterback in, in this city, you got to have it right. You got to have toughness to you. You got to have mental toughness. You got to be able to block things out. Um, so really, I, I got to find out about the human beings. What are the key components of that? What, what will you do to learn wiring of all these guys? Time. Spend time. Uh, reach out to the, the people that spent a lot of time with them through, over the years. Um, and then I always feel like if you can sit down and, and look someone in the eyes and, and spend time with them, ask them the right questions, uh, you can learn a lot. That was a portion of the press conference where he was talking about Caleb Williams. Everyone knew he was talking about Caleb Williams, but he never said the word Caleb Williams. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, it, but, but it will be Caleb Williams and it will be Drake May and it will be JJ McCarthy and it will be Jaden Daniels and it will be Michael Penix Jr. And like you have to obviously streamline your process a little bit so that you have a feeling on who intrigues you the most so you don't waste time when time is at a premium. Um, but certainly Caleb Williams is the most high profile guy in the discussion. He's certainly the guy who people all over the league say the talent is off the charts. The tape is undeniable. Now it is who is the guy as a person. And Ryan described some of the things that he's looking for, including but not limited to that mental toughness to be uh, uh, the the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears, which Justin Fields and Mitch Trubisky and Jay Cutler and Rex Grossman and everybody else on down the line can tell you is a, a pretty demanding job. I think that Caleb Williams goes into this pre-draft process, whether it's with the Bears or whoever, and I don't know who his agent is, and I don't even think he's officially declared for the NFL draft yet, but I do think he has some reputational damage to repair. And so I wonder how that process uh, begins, and I wonder how aggressive he will be in that regard. Dave Wanstead said that you watch. He, he said this on the Mullen Hall Show. I've talked to him about this on and off the air. He said, you watch. By draft day, Caleb Williams will come across as classy and as polished as any prospect out there. And these concerns about his uh, maturity will seem unfounded and be, you know, kind of a hurdle that's easy to clear. I don't know about that, but I think that was his prediction just because he's seen enough prospects with issues and baggage kind of clean those up before the draft. Yeah, well, yeah. I think what Dave's inferring there is that obviously these guys over the next three months are very, very closely watched and coached to put their best foot forward and show the best side of themselves uh, in all these meetings that they're going to have. Um, I just think there is other ways to go about this as well. And, you know, you and I talked about an LA Times article that came out after the Southern Cal season ended, which was just with a, a beat writer for the Trojans program asking him some pretty pointed questions about how he handled handled the turbulence of this last season for him. And I thought there were some answers in there that were um, mature and offered perspective and, and gave you an idea that, okay, you know, if I am a prospective NFL team looking to potentially draft him, I want to, I want to answer, get some of these questions answered myself when I sit down with them and, and dig a little bit deeper on some of the surface level stuff that he touched on there. Huge, huge process ahead. And, and the bears are going to be leading that process because they do have the number one pick and Ryan's sentiment there that you spend time with the guy um, expect to start to see a lot of, you know, reports surfacing that the bears are in California, that Caleb William is in Lake forest. And it's going to be a wild few months as the, as that part of the process uh, heats up. So what I think is probably the most chaotic uh, approach to this uh, quarterback conundrum would be keeping Justin Fields and drafting a quarterback, although that remains a possibility. And that's one of the questions that Ryan Poles addressed uh, on Wednesday as well, right? Yes. Yeah, so my brain has gone crazy all year just thinking about the just a million different scenarios, uh, and I'm sure that's that's one of them. Um, I'll just stay very wide open with uh, the different paths that we can go, and as we collect information, if that close you know closes some of those um, those pathways down, then we'll do that. Move to the other ones, but I'm going to be wide open about this. I'd be narrow about this. <laughs> I'm with you. I mean, this is one of those ideas that's starting to gain a little bit of traction. Um, and it just, for me, it's just like, uh, it's it's a non-starter for me because I just, I, I don't think the Bears have enough 
uh, no. tent poles to hold no. up the big top, right? We're still recovering from Bajant mania, okay? I mean, <laughs> Chicago- was four weeks, right? Like this, <laughs> That was a month that felt like a year. Chicago's not prepared for two first-round draft pick quarterbacks in the same locker room on the same depth chart. Just Both not. trying to prove themselves, yeah. you know? And, and, and like, it just, it creates um, an unnecessary- strain and a pressure, <laughs> you know, to Ryan's credit, he's going to keep his mind open. I, again, I think you and I are both in firm agreement that this is not something we would even start to think about, but don't be surprised if the Chicago bears continue to leave that door open for the remainder of the next three months. So that's our biggest fear. Uh, but Ryan Poles was also uh, asked about Chicago's biggest fear and uh, the history of the Bears the last decade where coaches have inherited quarterbacks, quarterbacks have, quarterbacks have not been in line or in sync and staffs that have not been in line or in sync. And yeah, just you draft the guy, you get yeah. rid of the staff that drafted them, you restart them, you reboot them. And it's just always misaligned. And that's the fear is it's going to be misaligned again. Right. Right. And so he was asked, how do you break the cycle? Look at the interview process, just bringing in the right people, like I said, that can adapt and adjust and, and put players in the best position to be successful. Um, and then, again, getting the, the players right in terms of the skill and the, the leadership and the person, uh, their character, getting that right. If you get those right, uh, I'm not I'm not worried about you know the history of different things. It's a different situation. This is, to me, this roster's built on a really solid ground, so um, it's a little bit different of a, of a situation in my mind. Ryan, did you get did you get start to fill out the various positions, a bunch of them on offense. Do you have any concern that outside perception could be Matt's going to be entering a win now in 2024 situation? No, I don't. I think they're going to look at the roster and see there's a lot of uh, young, talented players on the roster that they really want to work with. That are, It's going to elevate um, that platform and elevate our team to be a championship-caliber team. And when you win championships, there's a lot of real cool things that happen with everybody. So I think they're going to see that as a good opportunity. So, David, I think I think both things can be seen. I think you can see this as an outside candidate as, as a, a really good opportunity to help elevate a team to a championship level and also see – holy crap, if this doesn't go well, does the trap door open up beneath all of us in, in you know, 11 months? And so, uh, like, I, I think there's a maybe a bit of naivety and uh, optimism-driven naivety in, in Ryan's sentiment there, but obviously he's going to sell the latter thing there, which is this is a chance to, to really elevate a team that's coming together, and hopefully that appeals to more candidates than it uh, turns off with the idea that Matt could be in a winner-else situation in 2024. 